Chapter Twenty Eight of Australian Legendary Tales Folklore. This is a LibriVox recording. LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Australian Legendary Tales Folklore by Mrs. K. Langlow Parker. Chapter Twenty Eight. Dejemboya the Soldier Bird. Dejemboya was an old man, and getting past hunting much for himself, and he found it hard to keep his two wives and his two daughters supplied with food. He camped with his family away from the other tribes, but he used to join the men of the Molyan tribe when they were going out hunting, and so get a more certain supply of food than if he had gone by himself. One day when the Molyan went out, he was too late to accompany them. He hid in the scrub and waited for their return, at some little distance from their camp. When they were coming back, he heard them singing the song of Setting Emu, a song which whoever finds the first emu's nest of the season always sings before getting back to the camp. Dejan Boyer jumped up as he heard the song, and started towards the camp of the Mullion singing the same song, as if he too had found a nest. On they all went towards the camp, singing joyously. Nerdu nerbu, me dreen dreamba, gambe buan yanade biwa. Gabondidi, Nia Nangulbaja, which song roughly translated means, I saw it first amongst the young trees, the white mark on its forehead, the white mark that before I had only seen as the emus moved together in the daytime. Never did I see one camp before, only moving, moving always. Now that we have found the nest, we must look out the ants do not get to the eggs. If they crawl over them, the eggs are spoilt. As the last echo of the song died away, those in the camp took up the refrain and sang it back to the hunters to let them know that they understood that they had found the first emu's nest of the season. When the hunters reached the camp, up came Dejan Boyer too. The Mullions turned to him and said, Did you find an emu's nest too? Yes, said Dejan Boyer, I did. I think you must have found the same, though after me, as I saw not your tracks. But I am older and stiff in my limbs, so came back not so quickly. Tell me, where is your nest? In the clump of the Goolabars, on the edge of the plain, said the unsuspecting Mullion. Ah, I thought so, that is mine. But what matter, we can share, there will be plenty for all. We must get the net and go and camp near the nest tonight, and tomorrow trap the emu. The Mullion got their emu trapping net, one made of thin rope about as thick as a thin clothesline, about five feet high and between two and three hundred yards long, and off they set, accompanied by Dejan Boyer, to camp near where the emu was setting. When they had chosen a place to camp, they had their supper and a little corroboree, illustrative of slaying emu, etc. The next morning at daylight they erected their net into a sort of triangular-shaped yard, one side open. Blackfellas were stationed at each end of the net, and at stated distances along it. The net was upheld by upright poles, when the net was fixed, some of the blacks made a wide circle round the emu's nest, leaving open the sides towards the net. They closed in gradually until they frightened the emu off the nest. The emu, seeing blackfellas on every side but one, ran in that direction. The blacks followed closely, and the bird was soon yarded. Madly, the frightened bird rushed against the net. Up ran a blackfellow, seized the bird, and wrung its neck. Then some of them went back to the nest to get the eggs which they baked in the ashes of their fire and ate. They made a hole to cook the emu in. They plucked the emu. 
When they had plenty of coals, they put a thick layer at the bottom of the hole, some twigs of leaves on top of the coals, some feathers on the top of them. Then they laid the emu in, more feathers on the top of it, leaves again on top of them, and over them a thick layer of coals, and lastly they covered all with earth. It would be several hours in cooking. So Dejan Boyer said, I will stay and cook the emu. You young fellows, take the murins, emu spears, and try and get some more emu. The Malian thought there was a sense in this proposal, so they took a couple of long spears with a jagged nick at one end to hold the emu when they speared it. They stuck a few emu feathers on the end of each spear and went off. They soon saw a flock of emu coming past where they were waiting to water. Two of the party armed with the manoon climbed a tree, broke some boughs, and put these thickly beneath them, so as to screen them from the emu. Then, as the emu came near to the men, they dangled down their spears, letting the emu feathers on the ends wave to and fro. The emu, seeing the feathers, were curious as to how they got there, came over, craning their necks and sniffing right underneath the spears. The blackfellas tightly grasped the manoons and drove them with force into the two emu they had picked. One emu dropped dead at once, the other ran with the spear in it for a short distance. But the blackfellow was quickly after it, and soon caught and killed it outright. Then carrying the dead birds, back they went to where Dejan Boyer was cooking the other emu. They cooked the two they had brought, and then all started for the camp in great spirits at their successful chase. They began throwing their marulas as they went along, and playing with the bubberas, or returning boomerangs. Old Dejan Boyer said, Here, give me the emus to carry, and then you will be free to have a really good game with your marulas and babaras, and see who is the best man. They gave him the emus, and on they went, some throwing marulas, and some showing their skill with the babaras. Presently, Dejan Boyer sat down. They thought he was just resting for a few minutes, so ran on laughing and playing, each good throw eliciting another effort, for none liked owning themselves beaten while they had a marula left. As they got further away, they noticed Dejan Boyer was still sitting down, so they called out to him to know what was the matter. All right, he said, only having a rest, shall come on in a minute. So on they went. When they were quite out of sight, Dejan Boyer jumped up quickly, took up the emus, and made for an opening in the ground at a little distance. This opening was the underground home of the Murgamagui spider. The opening was a neat covering, like a sort of trap door. Down through this he went, taking the emus with him, knowing there was another exit at some distance, out of which he could come up quite near his home, for it was the way he often took after hunting. The Mullions went home and waited, but no sign of Dejan Boyer. Then back on their tracks they went and called aloud, but got no answer, and saw no sign. At last Mullyanga, the chief of the Mullions, said he would find him. Arming himself with his boondies and spears, he went back to where he had last seen Dejan Boyer sitting. He saw where his tracks turned off and where they disappeared, but could not account for their disappearance, as he did not notice the neat little trapdoor of the Murgamugui. But he hunted round, determined to scour the bush until he found them. At last he saw a camp. He went up to it and saw only two little girls playing about, whom he knew were the daughters of Dejan Boyer. Where is your father? he asked them. Out hunting, they said. Which way does he come home? Our father comes home out of this. And they showed him the spider's trap door. Where are your mothers? Our mothers are out getting honey and yams, and off ran the little girls to a leaning tree on which they played, running up its bent trunk. 
Malyanga went and stood where the trunk was highest from the ground and said, Now, little girls, run up here and jump and I will catch you. Jump one at a time. Off jumped one of the girls towards his outstretched arms, which as she came toward him he dropped and, stepping aside, let her come with her full force to the ground where she lay dead. Then he called to the horror-stricken child on the tree, Come, jump. Your sister came too quickly. Wait till I call, then jump. No, I'm afraid. Come on, I'll be ready this time. Now come. I'm afraid. Come on, I am strong. And he smiled quite kindly up at the child, who hesitated no longer, jumped towards his arms only to meet her sister's fate. Now, said Malyunga, here come the two wives. I must silence them, or when they see their children, their cries will warn their husband if he is within earshot. So he sneaked behind a tree, and as the two wives passed, he struck them dead with his spears. Then he went to the trap-door that the children had shown him, and sat down to wait for the coming of Dejan Boyer. He had not long to wait. The trap-door was pushed up, and out came a cooked emu, which he caught hold of and laid on one side. Dejan Boyer thought it was the girls taking it, as they had often watched for his coming and done before. So he pushed up another, which Malyangar took, then a third, and lastly came up himself to find Malyangar confronting him, spear and boondi in hand. He started back, but the trap-door was shut behind him, and Malyangar barred his escape in front. Ah, said Malyangar, you stole our food, and now you shall die. I've killed your children. Dejan Boyer looked wildly around, and seeing the dead bodies of his girls beneath a leaning tree, he groaned aloud. And, went on Malyangar, I've killed your wives. Dejan Boyer raised his head and looked again wildly round, and there on their homeward path he saw his dead wives. Then he called aloud, Here, Malyanga, are you emus. Take them and spare me. I shall steal no more, for I myself want little, but my children and my wives hungered. But I stole for them. Spare me, I pray you. I am old. I shall not live long. Spare me. Not so, said Malyanga. No man lives to steal twice from Malyan. And so saying, he speared Dejan Boyer where he stood. Then he lifted up the emus, and carrying them with him, went swiftly back to his camp. And merry was the supper that night when the Malyans ate the emus, and Malyangar told the story of his search and slaughter, and proud were the Malyans of the prowess and cunning of their chief. End of chapter 28